pray for the Nelson's going to sing a song, and then we're going to have a short video right before I speak, a minute and 30 second video. I hope it'll help you um, before the service today. Father, thank you for this day. pray that you help Brother Nelson as he sings today and uh, as he worships you in voice, and I pray that you'll be with us as I preach, and that you'll give me the words to say. You know, pray. Amen. The birds The birds up in the air know their creator. Each, I'm going to have to change keys. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> the birds up in the air know their creator. Nature sings an awesome song of praise. Even the heavens declare his glory. I will stand before you and proclaim I know him yes I know him I met him at the foot of Calvary I know him yes I know him best of all he knows me He's moving in this place right now, I feel him. I do believe that he is here right now. With outstretched arms, he beckons to the weary. Come, I will give you rest, my child. I've rested in his arms a million times or more. Every time he's held me tenderly So I will stand and say to you that I know him Will you stand with me and agree? I know him, yes I know him I met him at the foot of Calvary I know him, yes, I know him, but best of all, he knows me. You guys sing that with me, I know him, ready, here we go. I know him, yes, I know him, I met him at the foot. I met him at the foot of Calvary. I know him. I know him. Yes, I know him. But best of all, he knows me. One more time. I know him. Yes, I know him. I met him at the foot of Calvary. I know him, yes, I know him, but best of all, he knows me.
It's okay when this happens when pastor's not here. Yes, no? Click it just one time and see if it plays. If it doesn't, you can go ahead and go to your Bibles to Acts chapter um, number 2. Acts chapter number 2, while they're looking at that. See, it always works. Lately, it seems that we're getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. So I hope you enjoyed that. I thought it was very fitting for, I'm talking about the local church and how I love the local church. Um, I grew up, I was fortunate to grow up in church, had a mom and dad that loved church, um, served in the church, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and sometimes I was the stubborn boy who didn't want to go to church, and mom and dad had to drag me to church. Sometimes I even got a spanking on the way to church. Dad pulled the car over, pulled his belt off, whooped me a couple times on the side of the road. Um, I was the kid when we, right after I got saved, I was five years old, um, our church burned down. Um, some teenagers in the area came and burned our church down. We had to move our church um, for about a year into our gymnasium. And so we had church in our gym, and it was very echoey, very loud. And I remember very vividly at about six or seven years old, I was doing something. I don't think it was anything wrong. I was probably just messing around with the hymn book or playing around too loudly as a kid. And my dad said, son, stop. I didn't, and so he grabbed me, threw me over his shoulder, and I'm screaming the whole way out, ah! and making the biggest distraction ever. He gets me out, he whoops me hard, and says, so I'm going to give you something to cry about. And so, but I had a parents that loved me, and, and that church, that, the video was just so fitting, because so many times we get to the point where we think, man, church is just on Sunday, church is just what I'm through right now, but our mission, our goal as every Christian should be to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. I teach my, my teenagers, I teach that almost every single day of my life, is we should be teaching people and leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And this mission is not to one person in here, it's not to just the pastoral staff, it's not just to the deacons, but it's to every single person in the church. And that's our mission. And that's what makes us so important. That's what makes these verses in Acts chapter 2 so important, verses 42 through 47, we're going to read through them and then jump around a little bit. I'll try not to jump too much, but we'll go through. And some people like when I preach because I'm short. I may not be short today, but 
but I'm going to try to keep it right at 12. All right, so Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking in bread and prayers. I love that verse because it shows us that we can eat at church. And they love carbs. Uh, all through Acts, every time they met, there was food involved. They loved carbs. It's almost like they said, we're going to have bread today. We're going to have more bread. Let's get Bread's good. Let's eat more bread. And every time. It talks about, I think it says bread like three or four more times in this chapter. Uh, verse 43, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done in the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men. And every man has need. Uh, and they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking of bread. There it is again. From house to house and did eat their meat with gladness. They're eating again and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added them to the church daily as should be saved. And so they just didn't go to church. They just didn't meet in a place, but they were the church. Now, in the in the new in, during this time, they didn't have a place, a building they could go to um, because they were under such persecution. So they just met in house to house. We're fortunate enough to have a building and have a place where we can worship, and I thank God for that. But my four points today is this: title, let's have a vision for our church where four things happen. Okay, and the first thing is let's have a vision for our church where everyone loves the church. Everyone in the world somewhat has something against the church. Someone did something bad to them when they were in church at one time. Uh, their pastor did something. Uh, their Sunday school teacher said a bad word to them. I- I've been through it all. I was raised in the nursery at a baby. I- I've even got a video of me in my car seat on a bus with my mom and dad leading the bus and driving the bus. My mom was driving the bus when she was pregnant with my, son- with my brother, um, Josh. And I was in the car seat. My dad's leading the program. My older sister, Wendy's running up and down the aisles like a crazy madman. And all my other brothers and sisters are on there. We've got like 60 kids on the bus. And there's a video of me. My dad, as he's dropping everybody off, shoots the video over. There's baby James. It was before I was one years old because I didn't have my glasses on. And that's how I knew that. And so I got my glasses at 11 months old. And so I was before I was even 11 months old, I was on the bus. I was in nursery. I was raised to nursery like Miss Marlene, who leads the nursery. I was one of those kids who was in there every single Sunday. I was born on a Thursday, and I was in church on Sunday. That's how it was. I've been in church every single Sunday of my life. And I love that. I love that at some points I didn't want to go to church. And I was mad at my mom and dad for making me go to church. And it wasn't until I was a teenager where I really fell in love with God. I really fell in love with the church. And I fell in love with what God had his plan for me for. Um, and so as we go through this, um, I, I say this, we should love the church because Christ loved the church. And in um, Ephesians 5, it says this, Husbands love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. For no man ever had yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherisheth it, even as the Lord loved the church. For we are members of his one body, of his flesh, and of his bone. And so we should have a heartbeat for the church. We should have a longing for the church, to love the church. Um, I, I, I go through and I think about, about the Sunday school teachers that I went through. And it was a girl that me and her hated each other in Sunday school class. It was either one, it was either me or her had to go out into the hallway during Sunday school. It was like every other week. I would get something in Sunday school and she'd have to go in the hallway. And then the next week I'd have to go in the hallway and she'd be in Sunday school. Because if we were together, we would fight, we'd bicker, we'd get mad at each other. Her name was Sabrina. I still, well, me and her are friends today, but we still got that little bit of, of, of fight when we get together. But, but we, get, 
we're still in church. We still love the church. And now, as I went to college, I went to Bible college, saw the love there, saw the love that the people had. Man, the people just, I'd walk in and people would hug me. I'm a hugger, if you didn't know. And, and people would hug me and say, man, I'm glad you're here. And it was just the love was there. I couldn't go to school and people would hug me and love me and say, man, I'm so glad you're here at school. Right? The love wasn't there. The, the love was there because the people there knew that they were there for a reason and that God gave them a purpose to be there. And they were loving the church. They were doing everything they possibly could to the church. Um, man, I, I want to see us fall in love with, with God's word so much. Fall in love, and not with this building, not with this, this, this one building here. This building could be gone tomorrow, but we're still going to be the church. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to love the church as Christ loved the church. I love how he, how he, how he goes into Ephesians. He says, for no man has ever yet hated his own flesh. He says, no one goes around and beats yourself up. You don't hate yourself. No, you feed. You want a steak? You go to Outback and get a steak. You want good pasta? You go to Olive Garden. You feed your body pasta. All right. And he says, no man's going to deprive himself. No one's going to hurt his own flesh. He says, even as Christ isn't going to hurt the church, Christ loved the church and gave Himself for the church. Um, and, and and by seeing people who loved me even when I was unlovable, even when I wasn't their best kid, even when as a teenager I did some stupid things, even as a staff member I do some stupid things. Um, even as some other things, I still have people that love me. I still have people that show love towards me. Man, you don't see that in the world. You don't see that when you mess up, people care for you and want to help you. They just want to destroy you when you mess up. But the church is there to build people up and to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ because that should be our goal. That should be our longing. That should be everything that we cherish and to do. I said this here, once I, when I was a small child, I was in church. I grew up in the nursery all the way to Sunday school. The reason I still go to church is the people that raised me in church love the church. Now, I never heard my Sunday school teacher griping and complaining. I never heard the nursery worker that helped me, or that even when I had nephews that were there who griped and complained about it. Man, they loved it. Man, I, I still had, I, I, there was one time, um, I was a 16-year-old boy, and I, I decided to dye my hair black. And so I sat on, we, all of our teenagers sat, all the young men, we'd sit and we had our suits and on, and we'd sit right down here, right where um, Sylvia and Brent are sitting. We lined the whole pew, we'd have two or three pews of us, and I dyed my hair black one Sunday. And one of the older ladies came up to me and she said, she stopped me as I was leaving, she was like, do you know where that sweet redheaded little boy's been at? I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. And I was like, are you talking about me? She was like, no, 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 he, he has red hair. He used to sit on the front row. He hasn't come in a couple of weeks. I was like, that was me, ma'am. I dyed my hair black. She was like, oh, my goodness, I don't even recognize you. But, you, but because she loved us, because she loved the teenagers, and she prayed for us, she was concerned about us. She loved the church. I had Sunday school teachers that are no longer Sunday school teachers now, who when I go home and I go back to that church, they're like, man, you've grown so much. We've prayed for you. We've been there for you. We're so glad that you made good decisions and you, that you're now that you're in the ministry because they love the church and they want to see the church grow. And, and the church is different all the way in North Carolina as it is here. We do things a little bit different there than we do here, but it's still the church. We're still the body of Christ. We're still together for a reason. All right, so the first thing is to have a church where everyone loves the church. Second thing is to have a vision for the church where everyone serves as the church. Everyone serves as the church. In, second, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, for, as one body, for the body is one and hath many members, and also the members of the body is one. Being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. 
whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, or have been all made to drink in one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of ye. And so all of a sudden we get to this point where in 1 Corinthians it says, listen, there's a, there's a body of the church. And we all can't do the same thing. If every single person in here were part of the youth group, it probably wouldn't be a very good church. Because I would have too many workers. And we can never have too many workers in the youth group. Um, but all of a sudden, if everyone in here were in the nursery, then who would be in the main service? If everyone in here were working in life groups, then who would be helping out in kids' life? And that's what we're saying. We all have different talents that God's given us. And we must use those talents to serve God the right way. And we must discover what that talent is and to use it to the best of our ability. Um, I, the, the, the way I've labeled this in my notes is called basin theology. Right? It's not some biblical theology. You can't go and you can't type in basin theology and it's going to come up. It's what I've titled it, basin theology. Right? And this is when Jesus took his basin of water and he went around to his disciples and said, I want to wash your feet. And it was this simple theology of saying, I'm going to serve you so that you can serve others. And at first, Peter, the one who always likes to put his foot in his mouth, said, no, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to be a servant to me. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to wash your feet or you're not going to be made whole. And then he said, wash me all over. He said, I don't need to wash you all over. I just need to wash your feet. So Peter, he, he, he would take things too literal, and then he would take things too far the other way. He'd be like, oh, well, if you're going to wash my feet, just wash my whole body. And Jesus said, no, no, you're not getting the point. The point is I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to, to take this basic theology, I'm trying just to wash your feet so that you can go out and you can serve others. And, and there, right now at Centennial, we have more ministries than we've ever had since I've been here. I've been here, this, is, this summer will be our fifth summer here. Um, we just love being here. Um, and, and I listed the ministries last night. We've got our nursery ministry, which now has our infants, and then we have our toddlers and walkers, and we're about to have to split that one into a twos and three-year-old class. So there's, there's three nurseries right there that we have. And then we have Kids Start that's going on right now, and we have Kids Life that's going on right now. And then on top of that, during our main serve, during our life group hour, we've got our all of our Sunday school classes. We've got our um, Kids Start, which is that age, the three-year-old to five-year-old. And then we've got first and second grade together, the first grade by itself, and then second and third together, and fourth and fifth grade together. And that's a lot of Sunday school classes right there to be a part of and to be involved in. And then you come over to our life groups, and we've got um, uh, Brother Van Sickle and Thomas's class down here. We've got the ladies' class. We've got the Thomas's class. We've got Sid's class. We've got pastor's class. We've got the young adults' class. We have the youth group class, which we're looking to split that into a junior high and senior high class. So that right there, that was like 10 or 10 different Sunday school life groups right there that you can be a part of, that you can serve in. After our life groups, we go into our bus ministry and our van ministry. It goes out and visits every week, brings people to church. We've got our prayer and care chain ministry that prays for people, that takes care of all the needs of the church, that helps out and just serves the church wherever it needs to be served, whether it's making a meal for a, a mom who just gave birth or making meals for a funeral or whatever it may be. They're there. An old lady, uh, an old lady I hate to say that, um, but an elderly, uh, sophisticated young lady um, who may need her yard work done. They'll go and they'll take care of that. Uh, whatever the area may be, the prayer and care chain is there to help in that area. We've got our 
worship team. That's what I wrote down right there. We've got our worship team that helps us worship here every Sunday. Our choir, um, our people who just involve in the minute. I mean, could you imagine coming and us not singing at church and all the day like I've just preached? It'd be a little weird, a little different. Uh, it would work. I'm not saying we can't do that. But where would the spirit set? How would you set the spirit, the mode, the tone without having a worship, without having people up here singing and leading? And we want everyone to be a part of that. And you say, well, where can I be involved at? There's, there's no ministry for me involved in, Brother James. There's no ministry. I just listed 15, 20 different things. I mean, you could go and you could mentor in a young adults class. You could go and you could mentor in a kids class. You could go and you could help out. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of different things we can do in the church. We just have to get to the point of, am I going to be, am I going to take a little bit of my time that God's given me? And I'm going to invest in someone else. Because our time is important. Not, don't get me wrong. My time's valuable. My time's important. I've got a family. I've got another one on the way. And man, my time is stretched thin. But where are we making sure our time is in the right areas? And so we want to say, man, I want to be great. I want to do things great for God. I'm telling you, the greatest people in God's kingdom are the people that serve. And the people who go out and they do things from the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ, as that video said. And we must go out. We must serve other people. Man, the, the greatest people that have made an impact in my life are the ones that served me and the ones that helped me as I was a teenager, as I was growing up. And I can go through, I can list names. Stacy Allen, Stacy Rainey, Stacy, um, my youth pastor, Stacy Dasso, Travis Allen. None of you know those names. None of you will ever know those names. None of you will ever meet those people. But those are my youth leaders and those who led me. And those are the ones who invested time in my life, who had a Bible study on Saturday and brought me over. First Bible study I ever went to, 15 years old. Never went to a Bible study one-on-one with just a bunch of teenagers there. I'd always been in a, a youth group setting. And that's when God gave me my life verse. Because my mom and dad were going through a divorce. And he said, you should have a life verse. You should have a verse that you can go to. So he led me there to Psalms, um, in, in Psalms 73, 26, where it says, My heart and my flesh will fail me, but God is my rock and my strength forever. That's my life verse. Now, I would have never had that life verse if that man would have never had the st- that Bible study at his house and would have served me and opened his home to me. Because he was serving, because he was doing things, made an impact in my life. I could go and I can give you illustration after illustration after illustration of people who invested in my life. One teenager and made a difference in Idaho. I mean, who would have thought I would be in Idaho? I didn't even know Idaho was a state when I was growing up. All right? I know that Idaho potatoes, and I always got Idaho and Iowa mixed up. But who would have thought that God would have led me to Idaho after he led me to Arkansas, which is like the armpit of America? Um, and so all of a sudden, God's led me to these different places, and different people have impacted me. I could go through a list of people that impacted me in Arkansas. And like I said, none of you would know their names. None of you would probably ever meet them. But yet they made an impact in my life. You could do the same thing. You could say, well, I went to church, and so-and-so, when I was in Boise, or when I was in Napa, or when I was in Parma, or if you came from California, or if you came from Oregon or Washington, you could say, these people made an impact in my life. I would never meet them. But I can meet you. And I can know the story of your life, and I can know how God's used you. And then all of a sudden, we can take our time that God's given us, and we can invest it in someone else. And they may leave Idaho and go to North Dakota or Montana or somewhere else, Kentucky or New York, and make a difference there, and they would never know your name. But you made an impact in their life because you served them. And because you used that simple theology that Jesus said, and you did what you could to serve them. In your notes, I put this, the greatest thing that I have learned as a Christian has not been how to pray the right prayer or read the right Bible schedule, although that is a great thing to do. The greatest thing that I have learned is how to serve others and how to be there for others when they need help, how to be there to just pray with them. Sometimes you may not be able to do anything for them, 
They'll put your arm around them and say, let me pray for you. There was a, a girl when I was in high school, 11th grade, 12th grade, into my 11th grade, going to my 12th grade year. Um, I wasn't a big witness for Jesus in public school um, until about my senior year. I really took more of a stand and told people, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to be around you. Um, there was this one girl who left the lunchroom, and I don't know why I did it. She left the lunchroom crying. I went out to her, put my arm around her and said, hey, I'm here for you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on in your life. I'm just going to pray for you, and I'm going to go to class. So I've got to go to class. So I prayed for her, and I walked to class. Never knew anything about it. I, I barely even remember the story. And like six months ago, a year ago, got a Facebook message from this young lady. She said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. Her name was Anna. She said, there was a time when you came by the courtyard and you put your arm around and you prayed for me. I said, yeah, I remember. And she said, you don't understand the, the difference that made in my life that day. She said, my boyfriend just broke up with me, which is like the end of the world to a teenage girl, apparently. And she said, and I was going through a lot of things. She said, but that moment right there, she said, it was the turning point in my life. She said, I didn't know what I was going to do after that, because she was a teenage girl who doesn't know anything. Um, and she said, I don't know what, what's going to go on in my life. I don't know where I'm going to go from here. She said, but you came by, and you spent five seconds out of your day, and you prayed for me. And all of a sudden, God opened himself to me. And she said, I went to church the next Sunday, and she didn't go to my church. She said, and God started working my life. And she said, I'm a Christian now, and I'm saved, and I've got a family. And all because you stopped and you prayed for me. Now, I didn't know that God was going to do that. But I just took it just five seconds out of my day. I stopped and prayed for I just served others. And, and that's where we have to get to the point where we say, man, I just want to serve other people. I want to do things for other people. I want to help other people through the local church by being the body of Christ. Third thing, let's have a vision for our church where everyone supports the church. Everyone supports the church. In Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, there may be meat in the mine house, and prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts, I will not open unto the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be no room enough to receive it. And so this is just talking about supporting financially, um, time-wise. I live with this, your time, your talents, and your treasure, and in that order. Because God cares about your time, more important than anything. God cares about the talents that he's given you. And then last of all, God cares about your, ta- your treasures. Uh, me, me and my wife and Andrew and Summer, um, I went to hear this other guy. Um, Treasure Valley Baptist Church is having a um, stewardship conference right now. And a guy from North Carolina was coming. His name is Tony Shirley. And uh, we went to hear him speak. And he was, he was on the list to speak. And I was excited about going to hear him speak. And he didn't speak that night. And I was bummed out. I'm like, man, I'm going to get up and leave. Because he's not speaking tonight. Because I, I really want to hear him. Um, I was actually looking at going there before I came here. And we were, uh, he was a really close friend of mine. And uh, so I went to hear him. And we got there. And a guy named Terry Sowell. Was that his name? Sal was his last name. S-O-W-E-L-L. I say Sowell. But it was Sal. He got up and he spoke. And uh, I was like, okay, we'll listen to him. And he got up and he spoke on this topic. Time, treasures, and talent. And he began to speak through Luke chapter 12 about how God talked about how he gave certain people different talents to use and different things. And it lends up to verse 34. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And they began to talk about how where we invest our money at is where our heart is. He said, but before that, before you even think about your money, he said, where you invest your talents at as well is where your heart at. And where you give all your time is there too. And he went to a story. He said, a man did an extensive study on all the birds of the world. Okay, how many of you are like bird watchers? 
Okay, that was wonderful. No one in here is bird watchers. Okay, how many of you know what a bird is? A couple people, good. All right, we're there. All right, and so he began talking about how this man who began to do a study in North America, went to Canada, um, called different places, said, hey, how many birds are, are about average in your region? He began tallying all these numbers up. He came up with this one big number. He didn't even say what the number is. It's just a massive number of all the birds in the world, okay, called Europe, called Asia, called Antarctica, because there's like five birds down there. You got penguins and stuff. Um, and all of a sudden, he, he tallied up all the birds, and he sent this number to a, um, a feeding specialist at the local zoo or whatever and said, if you had this many birds in your zoo and this many birds were here, how much money would it take to feed all these birds? Okay, Because the Bible says that no bird goes without being fed by God. And he said, if this many birds were in this one place, the study came back and it said that um, Sam Walton, anybody know who Sam Walton is? He owns Walmart, yes, and Sam's Clubs. Um, he said the money that Sam Walton had would only feed the birds for about two to three days. And then he would go bankrupt because he would have no more money to feed the birds. And we think about that. We think about how vast of money that is. He, he's a billionaire. He's one of the top billionaires in the world. Um, his daughter is the first woman billionaire on the list. And all of a sudden, all the money, all the net worth that he has would only feed the birds for a couple of days. And God says no bird will go without food. I mean, imagine this. He, said, he gave this illustration. I loved it. He said, you can take a bird. You can bring it in your house. You can feed it. You can send it to the best education. You can make it the top bird with a diploma from Harvard. And you can make this bird the smartest, specialist bird in the world. But as soon as you let that bird out of its cage, it's going to fly to the top of a tree, and it's going to start singing to its creator every time. Because he know, that bird knows who gives us his food. That bird's going to sing to God because that bird knows that God is giving him his food. And if the bird, the smallest of all creatures, knows that God's going to take care of him, how much more should his children, who he know, we know he's going to love us, he, we, he gave his life for us. He didn't come and say, I'm going to give my life for the worms. I'm going to die for the worms. No, he came and said he's going to die for the humans. He's going to die for us because he loves us. And he wants to have a relationship with us. And if he loves us that much, why would we not show just a little bit of our love and support back to him? He's, the guy said it like this. He said, God owns everything. It's like you as a parent, you work, you make all your money, and you give your son or daughter a portion of your paycheck for, for a salary, for an allowance or whatever it may be, or they ask for something, and they never say thank you. They never say anything back. The only time they come for you is if they need the money. Now, I cannot stand kids like this. I'm just saying, if this were the case. And all of a sudden, they never say thank you. They never do anything. He said, that's how God is. God has all the money. He gives you what's yours. We never say thank you. We never give anything back. We never do anything back for God when he's the owner of everything. And God says, man, I love you. And I'm going to give you everything that you have. And just imagine, and I love the story back in with Moses when it says that all the people of the, of the Israel came and gave everything that they had, and they gave a tenth of what they had. They just gave a portion of what they had. And Moses said they had so much that they had so much left over, they didn't know what to do with the extra. And imagine what we could do if we just all gave 10%, just gave it just a little bit. And I'm not saying I'm the most faithful giver. I, it's very rough as a young couple. Man, I'm not saying it's the, it's the easiest thing to do is to give God 10% and to make sure you keep up with your missions. Man, I've failed God many a times in that. 
And I'll be honest with you, because it's sometimes rough as a young couple and having a new baby and having another baby on the way to figure out those expenses and say, man, are you going are you, are, are you to provide for me, God? Are you, are you going to be able to do this? And sometimes we question God when God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, he owns everything. And why would I even question that? But so many times my faith is small. And sometimes I, I, I forget or I don't do it because I'm a human. I make mistakes, I guess. And I still trust God and I make up for it. But yet he's still there to forgive me. And we, we beg God and we, we pray for God to provide everything for our life. But yet we're not even supporting what he has for us. And so we go back to this whole thought of where could we go? What could our church do if we just had people supporting it? With their time and their talents. I'm not even worried about the treasure. God will take care of that. He'll take care of his people. But our time and our talents, where are we giving our time? Where are we giving our talents that God's given us? I mean, the, the, the guy that gave, that had 10 talents, five talents, and one talent, you know the story. The guy who had 10 talents went out and doubled it. The guy that had five talents went out and doubled it. The guy that had one talent buried his treasure and his talent and said, God said to his master, I was afraid to lose it. And he said, because you were afraid to lose it, I'm taking it from you. Because he was afraid to invest in his talent. And God says, I want you to invest. I want you to invest into the future. Man, it's awesome, I'm telling you, because I've been there, it's awesome to invest your life into someone else and then to see them do something great. Because I've been there, I, I told the teenager this morning, man, there was, for two years of my life, every single Saturday from 9 to 12, I had about 40 to 45 young black teenagers that came every single Sunday, every single Saturday morning. And they came to the church, and we had a Bible study, and we had a, we played basketball, we'd go get pizza. One time, Allie made grilled cheese sandwiches. One time, I got stuff donated. And we would, I would just invest in their life for two hours, three hours, nine to 12. We'd play some games. We'd do some different things with them. And I invested my time in them. Now, I didn't have to invest my time. That was three hours that I could have spent with my fiance. That was three hours that I could have spent working, making money. But instead, I spent that time investing in other people, and I still follow some of those teenagers on Facebook who now are having Bible studies in Hot Springs, who now are faithfully going to church. Some of them are even in Bible college. Some of them are in college. Some of them made something great with their life, about 10 or 15 of them. And I get to follow that. I get to see that. I get to see the investment that I made and the return I get. I, the other one, uh, when I was there just the other day for, when did we go to Hot Springs last? When? May, we went but last May. And one of them came up to me, gave me a big hug. Oh, Bill James, how's it going, man? Or how long are you here for? Man, I want to come out and hang out with you. Can we go get coffee? Can we go hang out? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's hang out. Because I made that investment. I gave up a little bit of my time and invested in someone else. And God rewarded that. And now he's there and he's doing things there. And the last thing, and I'll be done. I'm right at 12, one minute till. Here we go. Let's have a vision for our church where everyone is changed by the church. Everyone is changed by the church. The other church prayed, fasted, and loved. Praising God, Acts 2, 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. There was no needy people among them. It says because they gave, they were able to help everyone. Because they gave, they were able to do for all people. And it says in such the church were added. And there's so many people I could bring up. Just last year, we did the cardboard signs where people were changed to the ministry, and they came up and they said, uh, whatever the statement had been, change the local church. All right, and, and I could do that, but for sake of time, just think about the people in our church right here who have been changed by our ministry. 
the people that we bring to church on Sunday morning on the bus ministry, the kids in Awanas who have been saved, the kids through some of your kids who have been saved in our ministry, some of your grandkids who have been saved through our ministry, uh, and have given their, given their life at camp, who have done great things, even in their short amount of time that me and my wife have been here in four and a half years, we've seen people's lives change. We've seen teenagers who are struggling uh, come to know Christ and come to live that life through Christ. And we're seeing that whole thing happen over just a short amount of time. And when we stick through this and we see this happen over a long period of time, we see that people get changed by the church. Bill Heibel says this, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Just a couple weeks ago, and next week we're going to Washington, and we're going to be able to sit down with our senators. We're going to be able to pray with them. We're going to be able to say, man, whatever I can do to, to help you in Congress and, our, and, our, Republic, and our, our people there and our representatives, we're going to pray with them. We're going to say, well, what can we do as a local church to help you? What can we do to pray for you? What needs do you have? And as a local church, we're going to change the world. The local church, and I didn't know this until I even began to talk to, um, I can't remember his name right now. My mom went blank. Um, he came just two weeks ago, three weeks ago. What was it again? Oh, yeah, Chuck Harding. All right. And he came and, and he, he gave all these stories and illustrations. I went out to lunch with him and he began just talking about how America was founded and changed by the local church. The Bill of Rights was put in because of a church. Because the church told the representative, we're not going to sign this Bill of Rights. We're not going to sign the Constitution unless there's a Bill of Rights there. Because of a local church. And because the church has changed history. And so all of a sudden, we think that the church isn't there. And the church isn't there to change the world. But we're there and we are the hope of the world. We're the hope that all people are searching for. So in closing, love the church. Give to the church. Pray for the church, serve the church, invest in the church. Give your life through the local church. I'm telling you, if you do that, you'll see blessings and you'll see rewards much, much greater than you'll ever comprehend and ever think of giving um, just by supporting and, and giving to this local church. And, and I just pray that this simple message, I love the church. Now, if you had asked me when I was a 12-year-old boy if I loved the church, I would have said no because I was not where I needed to be. But as I've went through the church and I've seen people support me and give to me and help me over the years that I've been here, um, even here at Centennial, I mean, I could go through story after story of people here have helped me and my wife. And it would make me start crying and I would tear up. My wife would tear up if I began going through all the stories. But it's because of this church that I send, my, I send Brody in the nursery with Marlene. Because when I get in the car, he goes, Bible, Bible. Now, where'd you learn Bible from, Marlene? I didn't teach you Bible. My wife may have taught him Bible, but Marlene is in there. She sings the B-I-B-L-B-L to him. And all of a sudden, he, go, he knows these words, and you may have seen the video on Facebook. He says, amen. I mean, what one-and-a-half-year-old baby says amen? But he says amen. He's got a little hand movement to it. Amen. It's the greatest thing ever. I mean, I wish I would have done that as a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old baby. I, I may have. I don't know. But because the church loves him is the reason why I love the church. See, you can do a lot of things for me. You can do a lot of things for my wife. But when you love my son and you love my family, man, that's, that's what gets me as a dad. Because I love the church because my church loves my son and the church loves my family. And if that's the reason why I go to church and that's the reason why I serve God, because I want my son to get saved and I want my son to grow up in a good home and I want my son to have a church family that he can, knows he can go to when he's going through trials, man, that's what it's all about. Because when the world, when they go through trials, who do they have to go to? They have no one. But man, when something happens in me and my wife's life, if something bad were to happen, our house were to burn down, 
our car were to get into an accident, you know, I were to go into the hospital for some reason. I know I've got 200 and some people here that's going to pray for me, that's going to love me, that's going to be there for me because I've got the church behind me. And that's what is so much, that's what's so great about it. And that's why I love the church. That's why I love reading through Acts and I love seeing the growth of the local church and seeing people going out and evangelize, seeing people going out and getting their friends and bringing their friends to church and seeing their friends saved. And man, by the end of that story, it says that there were so many people that came and came to know Christ that they were innumerable. There was no number for it. There were so many. They, they, they counted 5,000. But they couldn't number how many came after that because there were so many people because the church was on fire. And I, I'm so burdened and I'm so passionate about us going out and reaching our community and reaching Centennial. Man, me and my wife, we're here. We're here to do everything we possibly can to reach this city. I love this city. I love everything about this city. And I want to reach this city. And I want you to help us with that. And that's why we're having our Blitz the City. And we're going out, we're passing out 4,000 tracks. And we're doing everything we can to run the bus ministry and run the van ministry because we want to bring people to know Christ. We want to make an impact in their life through our church. We want to love God grow together and serve. And that's the simplest way I can put it. I literally just preach what pastor puts up here. Love God, grow together, serve the ministry. That's what it is. And when we do those things, we're able to make a massive difference. As the musicians come, every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray that maybe one of these four points, loving God, loving the church, serving the church, supporting the church, or seeing someone changed by the church. Maybe you've got a lost one right now, a family member who you know needs to be in church right now. And you say, Brother James, pray for them to come. Pray for my family member or someone. And you'd, you'd be willing to raise your hand and say, there's someone that I know, my friend, my family member, who's not in church right now, who's not saved, and I want them to come to church. If you'd raise your hand so I can pray for you right now. I see those hands. See, so many people in there have family members and friends that we can invite to come to church. And they can hear this message. They can hear this great news. And so as the musicians play... I invite you to come down and pray for that person right now. Maybe you yourself aren't um, serving in the church where you need to be. Maybe you haven't loved the church the way you need to do. Whatever it may be, as the musicians play and as Brother Nelson sings, come now at this time. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now 
to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this message that you gave. I pray that you will give us this just burden to follow you and do everything we possibly can for you. And have this vision for the church where we love, serve, support, and we see people change through this local church, Father. I pray that you'll help us today as we go about our week. We love you, Father, in your name we pray. Amen. Remember, sign up on the, for the mowing team, all the other announcements. Be back tonight, 530, um, for the service tonight. We'd love to have you here, and you guys are dismissed. Some place their trust in the wisdom of another. Some search for light in the dark. But like a child, I have come with simple faith in the only one.